The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. We're going to get an opportunity to test ourselves versus Kelgate University. Uh, Coach DaCosta will have those guys ready, there's no doubt about it. And uh, we're, looking, you know, we're looking forward to getting back in the dome in front of our fans seeing how crazy they can be this year because we definitely need our 12th man if we're going to be able to get the things done that we want to get accomplished this year. The Orange Zone, sponsored by Billy Whitaker Cars and Trucks. What's up, what's up, everyone? Welcome in to a special edition of the Orange Zone podcast because we are back for season two of Syracuse football. Reminder, you can find every episode on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If the sound's a little bit different and you're watching from YouTube, you've probably figured out that we are at the great New York State Fair. I'm Tommy Sladek. This is Samantha Crossan and new this fall. She's a part of our CMY Central Sports team. She'll be a part of this Orange Zone coverage. It's Ashley Winskowski. Winskowski, excuse me. Ashley, give us a, give the people a little 30 second rundown of who you are. Um, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you guys for welcoming me onto the team. Uh, I just graduated Syracuse uh, University this May. So luckily everything worked out. I did intern for CNY Central last fall and a little bit into the spring. So I'm really excited to be a part of the sports team coverage. Bleed Syracuse through and through, come from an orange family. So it all worked out awesome. Well, we're pumped to have you here. And Sam, as you can see, if you are watching from YouTube, Sam's got a little bit of a tire of two two schools going on. We consider her the Donna Kelsey <laughs> of the Orange Zone podcast with the Chiefs Eagles. She's the same way because you're a double grad of these two schools facing off in week one. I'm honored. The Donna Kelsey of this podcast. What high praise. It honestly, is. That's big time. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, yeah, I felt like. Listen, this was a cool week one matchup for me, and I felt like I had to have a little divided household action because I don't want my loyalty to lie in one place or another. So I thought I would just rep both of them, and that shows that, in essence, I just want to have a good podcast, and I hope that both teams have fun. Okay. I like like that. Always having fun. And it might be a little bit windy with the audio. If you are a regular listener to us, it's going to be a little bit of a different sound from the podcast studio. So thanks. Bear with us. We wanted to try something fun and new here to start the new season. Normally, James Munger will be with us, but we'll give you a full disclosure. This is take two. This is deja vu (laughs) from yesterday because, well, it it, technical issue. Yesterday's podcast didn't happen. Mungro couldn't come today, but he will be back next week. So we'll be off to the races. But you know what? We get to do this all over again, and that's kind of fun. It's not about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you get hit and keep moving forward. There you go. 
Thanks. That's right. I like that. Coming up on the pod, though, we're going to be doing a full preview of this Syracuse Colgate football game. We're going to be getting into season predictions, game predictions. We're also going to be hearing from Colgate head coach Stan DeCosti. Ashley and I went out there to practice last week, had a great interview with him. So that's coming up in the show. Let's end it with a little bit of trivia, and then we'll get out of here. And so, again, we'll be doing this every week. So making sure you're liking and subscribing and allows us to help put out some more content. So um, I'm going to open it up to you guys for this game one. It's 4 o'clock, JMA Wireless Dome on Saturday. ACC Network Extra if you're not heading to the game. What is your overall feel just heading into the Syracuse season? Is it a different feel from last year, I should say, Ashley? I do have a different feeling about the Syracuse team this season. I think that there's some unfinished business, and I think that that's usually a really good recipe for success the next year, right? Because after that 6-0 start last year, a lot of these guys that are returning have a chip on their shoulder, I think. So I think there's a new energy, a new excitement, and I'm excited to see how it gets going. How about you, Sam? I think that you will see a very energized version of this team in 2023 and as far as this season opener i really think this is a great matchup for both of these teams raiders coming off of a 2022 season that wasn't the best they went three and eight two and four in the patriot league so now if you're colgate you get a great opportunity to go up against a team who you normally wouldn't play against and grab some great experience and i think if you're syracuse what a great way to be able to work out some of the kinks with hopefully a little bit of padding although i will say i thought it was interesting how coach dino baber said this is the kind of game he would lose sleep over was that surprising to either of you it will lose sleep over I would say a few years ago I might have said yes, but I've seen enough of the way he reacts to these kind of opening games in other schools just to know where he goes. He goes, it's a school that, he goes, Hamilton's an hour away from Syracuse. He goes, they know more about us than we probably even realize. And because of that proximity, because it's the games that's happening probably on TV after their game's finishing, and it's just not one you can overlook. And Garrett Schrader was talking about it yesterday. He's like, they have, they have some guys that can play. Because end of the day, it's a Division one football team. It's a program that history shows has sent guys to the NFL. So they're there for a reason, and it's because they're in Division one football, and it's not a game to take lately at all. And you said this is two teams that know each other well. This is a stat via the villain, Brendan Hodges. It. But the Raiders are Syracuse's third most frequent opponent all time, which makes sense, but still right. pretty amazing. Saturday's matchup, the 68th all-time. Number trails just Pittsburgh and Penn State. And this is actually interesting. The series is dead even, 31-31-5. and five, But Cuse enters with 16 straight wins in this matchup. So definitely the edge in recent history. First time since 2016. And as for this Syracuse team, we'll talk a little bit of a depth chart because it's something that is brand new this week that Dino Babers released to us. And a lot of the stuff we expected, we saw a few position battles that were won in camp. John Ray, Re- John Ray Reed, a junior college All-American, beat out Josh Iloa for that center position. Carlos Vettorello graduated last year. You also have some new guys on that O-line, a transfer from Richmond, a transfer from Kentucky that are coming in to help not just protect Garrett Schrader, help the pass game, but also LaQuinn and at running back. And the biggest one that we saw that I was I think will make fans heads turns is where's Trevor Pena? Where's Trev? Slot receiver, also the kick and punt return for the last few years. He is out for week one with, as we know with Dino Babers, is an owie. I've discussed with some Syracuse media. We're all in agreement that it is I or O W I E. An owie. Which I think fits an the owie. bill because it's like how how are we going to spell this? He always That's ultimately says that. what we've come to. Um, <laughs> but 
with Trevor Pini out, it's going to bring Donovan Brown in. Redshirt freshman, first chance to start, and good interview with him yesterday. Did you get a good energy? I absolutely did. I'm very excited to see how he reacts to this new role in mm. week one. We'll see if it continues. We'll see Pena's, you know, situation. But he was saying, you know, that this is something he's looked forward to since he was a kid. And now here he is in week one. He's a redshirt freshman, and he's getting the opportunity. And what what's better than that, honestly? Just a moment. And I, I do. I love that. I feel like so many people, they're trying to chase something. They have a dream. And I feel like it must be a really exciting feeling to be at the moment where you know I've worked my entire life to get to this point. Right. It also just goes to show that you have to be ready at any given moment. Like That's one of my favorite things about sports is that you do hate to see any injuries or anyone go down. But it is always interesting to see how that opens up an opportunity for someone else who might otherwise have not gotten the chance. And for people that are getting back into the swing of things. Maybe you're the, the casual fan that's kind of left Syracuse football kind of off your radar for the past few months. What's new in 2023, and who are the players that, oh, yeah, I do remember them from last year? Biggest one is obviously Garrett Schrader. Back for a fifth year, we know his journey from Mississippi State to Syracuse, and he's a player that had surgery on his elbow in the offseason. And if you watched it all last season, Syracuse started this season 6-0, and Garrett Schrader, you start to see things are changing. And ultimately, it came down to something that was a what was considered a chronic issue with that throwing arm. He has surgery in the offseason. Dino Babers told by the doctors he's going to come back the same, if not better. He goes, I like those chances. And it was surprising and encouraging to see that Garrett Schrader was throwing the ball pretty well on the day one of August camp that we were able to watch. So he's back, he's experienced, and you know what? He's got weapons on the outside that I think right now, Damian Alford and Naronde Gadsden could end up being the best one-two punch in the country, if not top five by the end of this season. Because those two dudes, they're big, they're strong, they're fast, and what weapons? I'm so excited to see them. I was going to say, I think Garrett Schrader this season has more all-around depth on his offense and weapons to look to than maybe he's ever had in his third year. I would agree year. with that, big time. And it brings me to a question that I have for you guys, and it's okay if it's an answer you've already touched on a little, but I just want to know if there's a group, a position group that you think has a lot of depth to it, anything that you're really excited to see in this 2023 season. Mm, good question. I mean, we already touched on it, so I won't say receivers, but I do think watching in practice a guy like Donovan Brown, a guy like Demarcus Adams that are not in those starting roles normally are very good pass catchers and are very good weapons. So I do think they're a little bit stacked there. The other spot that I'm really thinking that they've been able to build up on, I think there is absolutely some depth there, is going to be um, the linebacker position. And even though they lost Michael Jones, who we're hoping is going to be making the practice squad with the Chargers by the time this airs, Marlo Wax is back for another year. He's a leader on that Love team. Love that guy. Derek McDonald stepped in after there were some injuries out there and was able to showcase what he can do. A big linebacker. He's probably 6'2", 6'3". He's really not your average or typical linebacker, but number 15 will be making a splash, and then it's Leon Lowry getting that third starting spot. And behind him is a guy that started last year, which is Stephon Thompson, who is back after he went down with a season-ending injury in week one. So, again, not a starter, but still a player where he didn't have the green jersey on that says you can't hit him. He was full go in practice, so I think there is definitely, I think, the right leadership at the top where even those backups are going to be ready should they get the chance on a moment's notice. 1,000%, and just a little bit of a note on Marlo Wax because that is a guy who I'm really interested and excited to watch again. 
He has seen action in all 36 games since arriving on campus, which matters. That means something to me. He also has a team-best active streak of 25 straight starts. This guy enters the 2023 season with 184 tackles, 113 solo. This is a dependable, dependable group. And I know that Coach Gino Babers uses this quote sometimes, so I'm going to steal from him. But I think this group of linebackers is going to be consistently good, not occasionally great. It's very exciting. I like that. And there's new pieces that we mentioned to this team this year. And a part of that is the special teams. you got Brady Denenberg coming in as the kicker, replacing Andre Schmidt. And the guy I'm really excited for, which normally you don't think the punter as your big excitement heading into week one. But the punt game is something that has just not been consistent with the Syracuse program. Uh, since I can remember, since some of the guys like Riley Dixon went on to the NFL. And so Jack Stonehouse comes in from Missouri, transfers in, and I'm ready to just see a consistency. He, and Dino Baber said, he goes, I have a kicker that hits it through the uprights, and I have a punter that kicks it high and far. And Or, excuse me, yeah, high and far. That's the right words to put it. So excited for that. Brady was already named a captain. Justin Barron as a whole, a captain on that special teams. You have Marlo Wax and then Isaiah Johnson on the defense, transferred from Dartmouth last year. And offensive captains, this was exciting. Garrett Trader, to be expected. But Damian Alford getting to wear the C on his chest, so to speak. And that's exciting for a player who has really solidified himself as the number two. And he's a guy being a Quebec native um, you know, out there in Montreal. Matthew Bergeron was a guy he was close with. They were speaking French last year. He goes, it was exciting to get to do that. Bergeron's now onto the NFL. And Damien was telling us yesterday how the first thing he did was you know, text Matt and tell him about it because it just goes to show his growth. And I think people will be just excited to see a Rondé on one side of the ball. And it's great for that offense to know that the defense has to look both ways at Alfred and Schrader. I think it's great to see, too, this year the rollover between some of those guys that have left, Bergeron, Michael Jones on mm-hmm. the defense, how they've kind of influenced and mentored these younger players who are now getting these captain slots into mature players, even when they're only sophomores, juniors, that type of thing. It's the right people on the top right now. Right. And guys like Justin Barrett talk about that because you can feel it in practice that something's a little bit different from years past. Leadership, chemistry, all of that matters. And a note because you mentioned I have to say, I think that being a punter or a kicker has to be one of the most thankless positions in all of football because no one is really ever talking about them a whole lot unless they're doing something wrong. Specifically, I feel like if you're a punter. If you're a kicker, that reminds me almost of like a goalie because you could be the hero or you could be the villain. Either way, everybody is locked in on how you perform. At least that's how I felt. But I feel like being a punter, it was almost, it was very unexpected and surprising in a bad way when all of a sudden those punts weren't going the way um, that fans wanted. So I'm really excited to see the new and interesting faces that we have here because I do feel like, even though a lot of people say that games are won in the trenches, I also believe that games are won by having a very solid and dependable special teams unit. Bang. Absolutely. And as we move on to this Colgate team, right before we get to our interview with Stan DeCosti, uh, again, like Sam mentioned in the beginning, 3-8 and eight last year. It was a down year with DeCosti is head coach. Um, DeCosti played under uh, a legend who just passed away recently, Dick Biddle, back in the early 2000s, a team that, um, you know, again, just a, a guy that left as not just the most wins in school history, but the most wins in Patriot League history. DeCosti's a guy that has his heart with Colgate football. You can feel the energy out there, and after you experience talking to him, you completely understand why guys want to go play for this dude. So Ashley and I got a chance to speak with him. We're going to give you the interview in full right here. Take a listen. Brand new season, 2023. What is this 2023 Colgate team about? 
It's a great question. Uh, it's a tight group, very tight group. Um, they had a great summer, great off season. We had about 80 guys up here over the summer. Um, 12 guys that weren't here were doing national internships, so everyone was dedicated one way or the other to, to getting better. And I think that's, uh, you know, last year was a tough year, uh, tough year for the program, tough year for um, the players, um, all levels. And it didn't really, um, you know, hurt us in a sense. It made us stronger. You know, I think that's what it came down to as we're going through the offseason. And we cleaned up stuff, things we needed to address, we addressed on um, roster-wise and, and scheme-wise, culture-wise, everything. And, uh, you know, and the guys bought in. And it's a special group because they're buying into something that hasn't happened yet. You know, a lot of a lot of times it's easy when you're winning and rolling. We've had a lot of success here over the years, and we've had back-to-back -back titles and consistency and a lot of those um, great seasons over the years. And a lot of that is, hey, this is how we're doing it. Hop on board. Let's go. You're either in or you're out. These guys' mindset is they're believing in something that they know what the outcome is going to be. Um, it just hasn't happened yet. So that's a pretty special thing that they could buy in from that standpoint. And they love football and they love each other. So it's been a, been a fun August so far. What's the biggest difference from 2022 to 2023? If you had to say one thing, it might be a loaded question. Yeah, that is a loaded question. I mean, you know, the last year's season was up and down. You know, we started really strong in a lot of ways and we had some like anyone else in America had some injuries and adversity to battle through but uh, you know this team you know made a commitment like we had a, a Monday morning meeting the first Monday after Thanksgiving and it was it was there was a line drawn there was no gray area in any of our culture stuff accountability stuff and um, leadership stepped up and uh, we have a great senior class I uh, love football we love each other um, but overall top to bottom accountability and holding each other accountable and the little things within the program stuff that we can control and so as coaches you know we we need to do a better job of that and we did and as players um, you know they did as well so I think that's something that one of the big things you know we addressed some issues and and then we just didn't talk about it um, they acted on some things and and you could see it and feel it out here and, and uh, for whether it's how our locker room looks to how they practice out here there's a lot of consistency and uh, um, and it's a, so it's, uh, it's been a good good off season in August so far. Awesome it sounds like is do, do each of your coaches kind of take turns defining what grit is to them? Is well we have we have our pillars um, you know we base our program on love and accountability, and, and there's some pillars that hold that up. And we talked the first week, we talked about trust. Mm -hmm. um, last week, we talked about discipline. This week is grit, and then next week's brotherhood. And uh, so each coach, um, you know, kind of split up the coaching staff, and they, uh, they each get a word that they talk about and give their own take on it. And then uh, we usually actually end with our, our players come up and tell each other teammates who they are, who they're from, where they're from, and then a fun fact but I was on the clock today, so we didn't get to that. I'm up to players 88 and 89. We're going to come up and uh, give their fun facts. So, and then I quiz each other on, on who already went before them just to kind of, you know, connection was a big part of this preseason. And uh, being up here all summer was a huge way of connecting, but, but being more intentional about that as a program of, you know, making sure, you know, people know their whys, know their purpose, know each other. And because it's going to be hard. We have a hard schedule. Adversity is going to pop. And, um, you know, so we're going to build this up as be as ironclad as we possibly can. So if things do pop, we're not going to break. What are some things you guys are still working on ahead of week one next week? Now it's a lot of the operational stuff, situational stuff, like just, you know, in-game organization, sideline operations. Um, we're always going to be doing, you know, two-minute drills and, uh, you know, different situations like that. But uh, but just getting to be more organized. Like a lot of practice is rigid and you got your periods to practice certain things, but when a game comes, it all clashes together. So um, creating situations at practice now where it feels game-like, um, whether we're all on one sideline, you know, running special teams on and off the field or doing simulated drives and stuff like that where we're trying to make the game uh, less hectic than practices at times. So, so that's really it, you know, just trying to fine-tune the baseline of what we got to do 
you know, our base uh, identity, offensive, defense, get better at the situational stuff. And then and then when we go game time, it's not the first time they've been in a game situation. And now it's all the way down from running out in the field to coming out after halftime and timeouts and the whole nine yards. You have a lot of returning guys on offense this season. A lot of, you know, guys are really important pieces last year. How do you think that's going to translate offensively? Yeah, we got, you know, the roster as a whole is a good mix of guys that have been around, uh, played a lot of football. Last year we played a lot of freshmen. Um, so now sophomores, you know, sometimes we got to remind the coaching staff that they're still sophomores. Um, we have a great freshman class, you know, that still got a lot to prove, but, you know, there's a lot of talent in that class that you'll see some of those names throughout the year. So, um, yeah, experience helps and experience in tough situations. And we lost a lot of games last year late in the fourth quarter. So, um, you know, those losing close games hurt um, a lot, but you also a lot of, learn a lot of lessons from that. So um, a lot of times you got to be in those situations um, to experience it and grow. And so a lot of guys have been in those tough situations and, and uh, you know, they got a foundation to, to build off of. So that, that part's exciting. And you could obviously move a little faster too with install and, um, and, and expectations and stuff like that. So it's been good both sides of the ball, you know, full, full throttle, all 11 on offense, 11 on defense. There'll be some experience, but also some guys that, you know, will touch the ball for the first time against Syracuse or snap the ball or all that kind of good stuff. So there'll still be some of that fun, fun freshman, fun first time starting experience. What are some of your keys to pulling out a win next week against Syracuse? I think one thing is just belief, right? I mean, uh, we're going to go up there and just like we go into any game, like we, we want to win. And it's uh, we understand it's power five. We understand the scholarships. We understand, you know, just the, the you know, the FBS versus the FCS, like all that stuff. So that's just, uh, it's reality. So we're, from our mindset is, you know, Colgate, we go into games and we expect to win. Um, so that's something where if we lose that next weekend, we're, we're going to be upset whether we're playing Syracuse or any league opponent. So, um, so I think that's huge. And then ultimately um, just going out and competing. You know, and no matter if we're playing Syracuse or we play Villanova week two, like showing we belong and go can go toe to toe with anybody in the country. I think that's something that we always play hard games early on here. Um, ever since I've been here 17 years, always play hard games. It helps later in the season if we're making runs at, at titles and looking at the playoffs. So we've seen certain levels of competition already. So, you know, overall, it's a great thing for the program. It's a great thing for our guys. And, and yeah, we, we, we want them to come here to know they're going to play big time football. It's awesome. One of the best schools in the world. But we don't apologize for football. And, and when you get in environments where there's going to be, you know, 30,000, 40,000 people, you know, going nuts uh, in our first home opener, it's just a great experience for our guys to, to get, a, get a feel for that. What, what do we need to know about, about number five? What do we need to know about Mike? Michael Brescia, now he's a special young man. Uh, this will be his, he just got uh, elected captain. Uh, he was a captain last year as a sophomore. Again, this year as a junior. We have two other great captains this year, Owen Goss and Mike Slivka. Um, we got a lot of votes for a lot of kids, like I was saying before, great leadership overall. But uh, you know, Mike's a, he's a competitor. Um, you know, he's a coach bash calls him a warrior. You know, he'll come off the sidelines. Um, he gives us, he leaves his heart on the field and I, he sometimes runs off the field and he doesn't look like a quarterback. Maybe he's has some, you know, blood coming out of his nose, you know, spitting nails type of guy, just, just wanting to grind out and grit out as much as he can every yard. And, uh, you know, he's never going to listen to us to run out of bounds or anything like that. So, um, but no, he's, he's a great competitor, he's a great leader, great person. You know, he's as good a person as he is a football player. And uh, and there's a quarter, he's a quarterback. Like he can make all the throws and he can run. Everyone knows he's a big kid that can run, but he can make all the throws. So so uh, we've seen it and, and we're excited for him to showcase that this year. Who is, who is Dick Biddle to you and, and, to this, and to this Colgate football program? Yeah, Coach Coach was an icon here. Uh, he's He'll be in the College Football Hall of Fame at some point, um, not just as a coach, um, as a player. He's an awesome player. 
And, uh, you know, his, we got this, the Biddle scoreboard. We had the Biddle Plaza in his honor. Um, coach recruited me, coached me. Um, I was able to work for him for a long time. And, and he's just, uh, you know, he's one of a kind. He was toughness. He was, we talk about Colgate toughness, and he personified that. And, you know, a lot of coaches, you know, try to coach tough and be tough. Coach was just tough. And uh, it was old school, blue collar. Um, and uh, he, was, he, was, he was, at the end of the day, he was a really good person too. But, uh, um, you know, he, he did it his own way and his resume speaks for itself. And he, a lot of ways, everything we talk about from the grit, the toughness and all that stuff here, it's, it, uh, we've always been like that at Colgate over the years, decade by decade by decade. And when he took over, our program was at probably its lowest point. And he was a perfect coach at the perfect time and, and took it to new heights. And, uh, you know, so that was a you know, big loss for the Colgate family. And uh, so we'll do our best this year to, you know, play, play the way he liked to play. You know, play tough and, and compete hard. What's, what sticks out to you about, about the Orange on paper from what you guys have seen? No, I mean, they're obviously, I mean, they're big, they're fast, they're physical. Uh, I know their quarterback's been, been around for a long time, played a lot of football, and, you know, he's got some weapon back around him. Um, you know, defensively with, uh, you know, the new defense coordinator coming in and, you know, different scheme. And, uh, you know, he's, he's in, his, in his own right a, you know, legendary coach and uh, um, for what he's done from a defensive standpoint over his career. So um, that part's exciting to know we're going to go up and go against the best. And uh, so we know they'll be, like I said, big and athletic and fast. And uh, um, just like anywhere else, too, I think early on, no matter who you're playing in the country, it's interesting to see the transfers and, you know, who's new to the program and how they gel and stuff like that. So um, every school is going to have a few. I know the Power Fives in particular. So, um, and, you know, I know Syracuse has a few. So so it's, uh, no, I mean, they're, they, uh, I know, I imagine their offseason was, was similar to ours in a way of, uh, you know, a lot, to, a lot to prove, a lot to build off of. And, uh, you know, just a chip on the shoulder, and, and, and I'm sure they want to come out hot and set the tone for the whole year. So, so I'm expecting uh, obviously a huge, uh, huge challenge, and uh, we're gonna be well coached team. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum! And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Well, thanks again to Coach for making the time to speak with us, especially at a, such a pivotal time, I know, for him and his coaching staff letting us come out there and really get to absorb all that. And we made a mention, and he made a mention, of the type of player that quarterback Mike Brescia is hard-nosed and the type of dude where his stats end up telling his story. Yes. I think he's such a difference maker for them in terms of he's dangerous on the ground. Right. Last year he was the fifth leading rusher in the Patriot League, and he had 13 touchdowns on the ground and seven with his arm as well. But 13 on the ground, and then he got sacked 27 times. Oh, which just is hurts just, you saying that out loud. It's crazy. So I think that's something that obviously – it's not good that he's getting tacked 27 times for Colgate. But really a dangerous threat on the ground and something that Syracuse is going to have to watch in week one. And this is something that Brendan and I had talked about recently, but we know Syracuse's defense, they play that 3-3-5. That can be a difficult situation when you're going against a team that is running the ball down your throats constantly and getting little gains by little gains all the way down the field. I'm interested to see how Syracuse's offensive line steps up in this kind of a situation, especially considering the fact that this is a position group where 60% of the O-linemen from last year are gone. So there are some new faces and there are some new pieces to the puzzle where we have to kind of see how they all connect and fit. That definitely is the biggest question mark because we know that the skill positions, we know that the receiver 
talent is there. We know what LaQuint Allen is capable of doing in his first chance to uh, shine with Sean Tucker moving on to the NFL. But really, none of that can reach its potential if the O-line isn't able to allow that run game to happen and allow the pass game to happen. So, again, Sam, big time. Biggest question mark heading in. And I would say right now, are you guys ready for some game predictions? Yeah, let's, let's do, do it. it. Let's do it. Anyone want to kick us off? Who's feeling it? I'll start it off. Let's go, Ash. Woo! All right. Um, game predictions for Colgate-Syracuse. I'm going with – I'm amending what I said yesterday a little bit. In our yeah, I think I might too. Show. I'm amending that, that's it. What, that's what second chance is yeah, all about. second <laughs> chance. Take two. Um, this is meant to happen. <laughs> I'm going 42-10. I went a little more conservative yesterday on Syracuse's end, but I do think that they're going to have that star power in the first half to hopefully get some of those starters out even in the second half. Right. I do think Colgate will come in and be able to score a bit. I don't think they're going to shut them down entirely. But 42-10, I think, is a pretty safe safe estimate. What about I think you, that's Sam? solid. Sam, you see what do you got? I'm going to stick with what I did yesterday, just based on principle, and I'm going to go 38-10 mm-hmm. because that's what my gut is telling me, but also because I feel like that spread makes sense. 28-point difference feels like that's what it could be, not to mention I'm assuming – that Syracuse's starters are going to be mostly out by halftime. And that's also why I'm lowballing it a little bit. Is because do I think that Syracuse could score 50 points on this team? Absolutely. But I think that they're not going to in this instance because I think that head coach Gino Babers is going to know when to save his weapons and he's going to recognize that their lead is so great at that point that they don't need to do anything further. They want to save their weapons for the um, week two and week three games ahead. That Purdue challenge. Ayo. Purdue, it's, it's deja vu from last year. Week three is going to really help tell the story of what we can expect from this team again here in 2023, except one difference, not at the Loud House. It's in Big Ten territory at night in West Lafayette. Is it Lafayette out there? Because I know we have Lafayette here in central New York. In PA, the school's Lafayette. Lafayette. By week three, we're going to have that figured out. Yeah. But the point is, electric start time for a game. And even though it's not in, a loud, in the Loud House, I love that being a night game. 7.30 NBC. Make sure you're watching. If you're local, NBC3. Little props there. Sales managers will love that. I did that. <laughs> um, anyway, my prediction. Yesterday, I'm going to stick with the same high score. I think it's going to be 52. And I don't take this as any disrespect to Colgate. I think of this as a testament to what I believe this offense is going to be. And I believe it's going to be an offense where in that first quarter it's going to be three touchdowns on the first three drives. That's my expectation. But I'm going to make it a final score of 52 to 10, maybe 52 to 13, because end of the day I think Colgate is a team where I believe they're going to have their moments where they just make things happen. And a part of that is Mike Bresher, I think, is going to be able to do it based on what we've seen. He's a dog. He, do- he doesn't mind getting tackled. And I could see him taking them down the field to get maybe some early points in this one. But ultimately, it's a game for Syracuse where we want to see how this all works out. And Dino Baber says a year in and year out, there's only so much you can expect from training camp or you can learn from training camp. You really don't know what your team's capable of until week one because they've been going against their offense and defense the whole time. So week one, we'll see how it happens. And I'm going to transition that right into maybe the biggest question of the show, and that is our season predictions. And we'll be keeping track. We'll be keeping an eye on it. We're going to have an end-of-the-year champion, which Brandon Hodges will, I'm sure, bring up uh, at all times. 
But season predictions, and we're going to do this on a 12-game scale. We were thinking maybe with a bowl game, but I think it just keeps it simple, keeps it consistent, and Sam looks like she's ready to give her answer. I mean, of course, I'm the defending champ. Yeah, of course I'm ready to All give right. my answer. Stop Low props. We do need to get you like a Burger King crown, something right? along those lines. Something. Something to celebrate. Um, but that was then, and this is now. And now, the prediction that I'm going with for my season-long prediction is seven and five. Mm-hmm. Six has me as the right number, and I don't think that this is going to be a seven and five like or or a similar a similar way that we saw that season kind of roll out last year. I think this is going to be a seven and five that feels good the whole way through, mm. and it feels consistent. There's going to be losses mixed in there, but there's going to be constant improvement. And by the end of the season, you will be able to see the way that that improvement has sort of grown. Um, so that's what I'm expecting is a seven and five. It's not going to be six games to start the season off that are wins. And then what feels like a decline, I think it's going to feel better for the team, for the coaches and for the fans. Seven and five. That's what I'm going with. Okay. How about you, Ashley? I'm going to, I hate to disagree with you, Sam, but I'm going to seven and five. Um, I think the reason why I go seven and five, I think they could go eight and four. I think there's eight and four potential. But the reason why I have to stick with the 7-5 and five is because the difficulty of that schedule when you get into October. I mean, Purdue's their first test in week three, but then you move into the month of October and you're facing the top three teams in the ACC with no break. you got mm-hmm. Clemson, UNC, and then even after that stretch, you have Virginia Tech coming in, which is not going to be a walk in the park either. So I think it will be more balanced, like you said. I don't see them falling off the cliff that they fell off of last year after that 6-0 and start. I do think towards the end of the schedule into November, like when you get to Pitt, Wake Forest, maybe a win here, a loss there. That's why I think it's going to be more of a balanced feel, like you said. And before, because I know Tommy's about to go, I want you to let it rip. But that's the other thing, Ashley. I forgot to mention this. This is a team that does consistently struggle towards the end of the year. Yes. That is where they struggles find their struggles. Yeah. That is where they find their injuries. That is where they need to be replacing people and finding additional talent and using people who they maybe haven't used in the beginning of the season. Right. I would love it, truly, in my heart, to see this team have a injury-less season. But just based on the past events and the way things have rolled out, I just don't think it's possible. And that's what I want to see is for them to be able to overcome those challenges later on in the season. And then maybe next year, I'll bump it to a higher record based on that result. I agree. And I think that'll speak to Dino as a coach also because that's something he hasn't really been able to accomplish in his coaching career is he's kind of known for that fall off towards the end of the season. So I think that'd be huge for him to really not have that this year. And they're a coaching staff that's very, believe me, very well aware of what we've seen with the injuries down the line in past years. And it's obviously something that you can't just hear in the out and be like, well, maybe it won't happen again right. this year. There's a different approach to it. There's just little things with this year that one of the biggest things I love, and not to say that this decides a game, but it only helps. There's a, there's a nutritionist for this program now. There's people looking at all the little nooks and crannies to say, where can a difference happen? Because again, a record and a win and a loss can be decided by one play in one moment. And what is it about these teams that's going to be able to do those one play in those one moments, similar to the Garrett Trader to a Rondé Gadsden in the Purdue game last year? So this is where I'm going. I think there's a ceiling and a floor just like there is with every team. But I'm going with my ceiling for this team. It just it feels different 
And I'd like to say that if things work out the way that they need them to, if this offensive line question mark gets answered with a check mark, if the injuries do not pile up like we've seen in years past, I think there's enough weapons on this offense. I think there's an experienced quarterback, and I think there's leaders on this defense that can make this a very ferocious team. Not to mention a quarterback that understands the offense. Even if it's a new coordinator, he understands Jason Beck from having him as a quarterback's coach last year, and I think that comfortability is going to allow him to show why he's one of the more veteran quarterbacks in college football. Syracuse football, 9-3 and three here in 2023. Sheesh. Take it to the bank. I'm out. Not really. We're still here for a few <laughs> minutes, but it just felt good to say Mic it like drop. that. Mic drop, exactly. Again, there's a floor and a ceiling with every team. If the offensive line question mark goes the other way, if the injuries start piling up, this thing could shape out bad. But you made a mention of end of the year struggling in November. Syracuse does have a little bit of the schedule on their side. This isn't very much a, and not to say that any team's a bad team, but Georgia Tech, I expect, are going to be the worst team in the ACC. That's a November game. Pitt-Syracuse, back and forth. It's down in the Bronx for this one. Kind of a neutral site. That could be a point towards Syracuse. They should have and could have won last year. Could have won last year. That was just an ugly game that Gary Schrager couldn't even play it in. Sam and I did the whole road trip to that. It wasn't (laughs) great. Boston College loses their quarterback in Phil Jerkovic. They're kind of starting a little bit fresh. And then Wake Forest, Syracuse in the final week. That's, you know, anyone's ball game. So these more important games to me are getting stacked up in late September, early October. You have right now preseason number nine, Clemson, number 21, UNC, and number eight, Florida State, all back to back in late September and early or in a mid-October. For nine and three to happen, one of those has to be a win. Maybe even two, because again, there's just always going to be a game where things are kind of like a slip up, like we saw with that pit team. So, hey, we'll find out. We'll find out. And Clemson in the dome. So, listen, who knows what could happen, yeah. but you're hanging out in the ceiling. You said a ceiling in Florida, every team. Hey, everybody. Got some fans <laughs> waving over there. Hopefully, fans. I. I think you're gonna you're you're just gonna commit to that ceiling, and I appreciate and respect the fact that you're sticking with it. I think Ashley and I we're not on the floor, but we're just kind of hanging out in the yeah. room, <laughs> sort of in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you guys want a little bit of a question or question? Uh, Who wants tri- a question? Trivia question. Trivia. Um, so yesterday we did one that was ridiculous. It was Hodges doing your classic like. It was absurd. It That's was actually just... why we came back and recorded it again is because that question was so absurd. Yeah, that we it, to just read something the whole to do episode. with 1956. We're going to move past that. But he's got <laughs> one for you guys today, which is a true or false question. All right. You guys ready? Yeah. False. Everyone at home ready? False. Here we go. I already. Just After winning. Brendan. 12 of the first 16 all-time matchups, a Colgate student snuck onto the construction site of Syracuse's Archbolt Stadium and buried a a varsity maroon C sweater in an attempt to curse Syracuse to failure against the then-named Red Raiders. Is that true or false? Wow. Wait, did that give a year? He doesn't have a year, but I'm going to find the year. That, that would is be... very specific. Like, hmm. that would be a tall tale if somebody made that up. I agree, but knowing Brendan, I'm going to need to hear it all through again because it would be very like him for You're 80% right. of that statement okay. to be true, but something's just not right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You're right. Okay, so you want to hear it over, again. I want to hear yeah. the whole thing through and through again. Okay, let's do it. Here we go. 
True or false, after winning 12 of the first 16 all-time matchups, a Colgate student snuck onto the construction site of Syracuse's Archibald Stadium and buried a Varsity Maroon C sweater in in an attempt to curse Syracuse to failure against the then-named Red Raiders. Is that true or false? I'm going true. Wish you gave me a year here. I'm trying to find the year. I'm going false, and the only reason why is because... I'm not going to play the game. I'm going to play the man. And okay. I think that knowing Brendan, that first part of that sentence, you said they won- after winning the first 12 out of 16, I think they won the first 13 out of, th- out of 16. You or something right. to make it false. Got it. Let's okay. hear it. All right. The answer is true. Oh! I know it. This story was the basis for the hoodoo <laughs> legend and led to a number of friendly and not-so-friendly acts in the rivalry that included paint, airplanes, and the attempted kidnapping of an entire school band. And he led to an article from the Daily Orange. So look up Colgate, Syracuse, and just type in, like, rivalry vandalism and you'll find this story from the daily orange which I is love that. syracuse university's uh, so student writers and reading the article it is absolutely wild okay. 1958 three su students rented a plane to fly over colgate <laughs> to litter the campus with pamphlets that announced syracuse is the better team and to pour orange dye into colgate's taylor lake Yikes. Holy Lake, smokes. In 1949, student representatives from both schools met in Casanova, the midway point between Syracuse and Colgate, oh. a pact was signed that outlawed vandalism and set of specific rules and times during which pranks could take place. Holy smokes. Okay. The agreement was often disobeyed. <laughs> End of the story there. Um, final notes as we sign off here. Brand new season. We're at the fair. Vibes are high. I feel good. I feel good. I feel great. I mean, (laughs) if we all feel good, I mean, no, listen, my, my final, my final note is just before we go, a reminder to please follow the Orange Zone podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, this is new this year for our second season. So I do want to point it out. You have to be sure to follow our Instagram. We also have a TikTok page. We are trying to have as much Orange Zone content for you as possible across a variety of different platforms. So thanks for hanging out with us, us with us. Woo. Thanks for doing something different, and I hope that the audio and everything was, was great throughout the course of this episode. Brendan texted me right it. now saying 1907 for that year. 1907, he you must know, be watching. You know, you gave it away. Did I? knew I? it was true because you started looking for a year, and there'd be no year to look oh. for if it was false. Honestly, I was Also, it was so specific, well. too, that like to go through the details of that, you would have to be a true yeah, evil villainous that was my first trivia person, which he I is. I just so, really you know. thought that first part. I, I knew the story was true, but I thought it would be like they won the first 13 out of 16 yeah. or something. Yeah. Maybe he's just not as villainous as he once used to be. Softened up a bit. Here we go. All right. I'm excited for the tailgates to get going again. That's happening Saturday. Yeah. Voice crack. I'm Tommy Sladek, Samantha Crossan, Ashley Winskowski. For everyone working on this, Vinny, Andy, Paul, behind the scenes, thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Hopefully, hopefully the audio was great. We're out of here. Peace. We'll see ya.